sister who's barely out of puberty. You know. Oh, in Canada? Yeah. Well, and we've discussed how he doesn't know how to use shoe polish. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Which is fascinating, but... But yeah, well, yeah. Isn't, that, isn't that like kind of your you know your your puberty card when you're you know growing up? You learn how to tie a tie, you learn how to use shoe polish. You know, it's okay. So you know, they set you down, son. Here, here's how long the tie needs to be. Here's how you do. You know, you polish your shit, shoes. In America, they they leave the military for that. It's like finishing school. Well, okay. I didn't go to West Point, and I still got all these tips when I was growing up. But, like, when you see, like, Justin Trudeau, it's just like, I don't know. Is this, like, a prime minister, or is this some poster outside of Abercrombie and Fish in the Mall? Right. Well, you know, it's just is, like, he wear, is he wearing flip-flops? I don't know. I've always kind of liked him. He's got kind of a very personable way about him. Yeah. I think that's what you see. Is, is is this just a dude, or is this actually a prime minister? And I've always liked that. I mean, all right, the shoe polish scandal aside. But... Well, can uh, I can I just say like with the shoe polish with the you know the Justin Trudeau doing blackface well into the nineties, um, there there was something like just like it, it was like a joke the time delay fuse joke bomb where like Donald Trump said like well I think you've been kind of two faced <laughs> like, that was fucking brilliant it was like oh my god dude nailed it nailed little it. did you know nailed it it was like that, that was brilliant like he's really being two-faced here <laughs> the downside is he probably fired that writer because god knows he doesn't have any decent writers they only have nine fucking words in their vocabulary but i don't know i, I Donald Trump is like the Don Rickles of world leaders, you know? He, he really is. He's just like the insult king. <laughs> Absolute embarrassment, though. Oh, no. God. Oh, God. He, he like... Absolute I, embarrassment. I've never been less embarrassed by a president than... than what? I've how? Never. No, dude, never. you... I'm sorry. You were wrong. Well, okay, fine. But how the fuck do you think you're not embarrassed by this man's behavior? I am... Well, no, I'm talking strictly, strictly in terms of, like, global stuff, like NATO meetings, G7 summits, all that kind of crap. I am not embarrassed by him. It's like when he goes to a NATO meeting and starts saying, you guys got to start paying up. That doesn't embarrass me at all. Where, where he's like, he walks into a NATO meeting and says, you guys got to start paying up. You're not? Okay, fine. I'm going to go over here and play golf. I love that. I love that. I'm all over that all day long. I, I guess I'm not saying that I agree, but I, I I can understand where he's coming from here. In that, you know, when you bring that annoying friend to a party, don't be surprised. And you know, it's like, hey, when you know what? I invited that annoying friend in. You know, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you 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 know what's going to happen. Don't don't be amazed or shocked by it. That's why we're <laughs> always here on Sundays. Is because we never get invited parties on Saturdays. Ah, uh, some truth there. All three of us are kind of that annoying friend. I, I so. I can follow that path. <laughs> I absolutely do not agree with you, oh, okay. but but I can follow that path. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've, I've been very big on getting out of NATO since long before Donald Trump came into office. I I, I think it's just absolutely ridiculous that we. Well, have I think NATO is is antiquated. First of all, yeah, we're it has done. Become, has become the seven headed monster. It's, it's become a, a hydra. It's yeah. a it's a joke. It's like why don't you guys pay and for your own goddamn defense? I, I agree with that. Uh, sentiment. I there could be some fucking grace. Like that's that's a, that's the embarrassment. I'm, I'm right? done it's, with grace. No grace at all. I'm done. I'm done with grace. Pay your fair grace share. Grace was never your strong suit to begin with. Yeah. No. Pay 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 your <laughs> shit. Pay your shit. I'm sick of it. I can't. Grace obviously hasn't worked. Grace hasn't been tried. 
Oh, please. Oh, please. Nobody's gracefully said pay your shit. They've just let everybody not pay their shit. Yeah. In fact, somebody should just say gracefully to us, pay your shit. We pay our shit. No, not, we don't. With China NATO. half of us. Oh, with with NATO. NATO. With NATO. I'm talking okay. with NATO. That's all I'm talking about here. With NATO, it's like, Jesus Christ, like enough you already. You're singling out a situation by a t- like Well, I preface, I preface my comment with that, with, you know, with that bullshit. It's just like, you know, I mean, enough already. Like, why are we defending all you guys with your fucking little fancy cheeses and you're like, yo, we good. we're so much better. We got windmills and universal health care. It's like, yeah, why don't you pay for your own de- defense? I don't know why we're defending you against a country that doesn't exist anymore for a treaty that's like, I don't know how goddamn old it is. What What, what is it? Close to 100 years old? 80 years old? 70 years old? Fascinatingly good intro, actually. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's just like enough of it, you know? You know, why are we protecting you from the red menace? You know, you protect yourself from the red menace. Anyhow, all right. On that note, before I start disagreeing with you again, oh, fucking get a get a better haircut. We are ruined heroes, a weekly, free, and self-produced podcast wherein the three of us irreverently discuss a topic of societal renown. I like this beer. Cran hop on you. Yeah. Um, I, Tyler, study like someone who wants to shake things up. John, oh, hold on, I'm having a vision. And Rupert. Uh, hey, Fisher. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Two-faced bastards. <laughs> Please subscribe and leave good ratings and reviews on whatever podcast you feed to get us through. It it's like does the help. sourdough of beers. It does help, <laughs> and it's a free way to help us out. Uh, to interact with us, we are Ruined Heroes Pod at gmail.com, as well as easily found on Facebook and Twitter. Say hi. We like to hear from you. Uh, to contribute toward the cost of the show, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash ruinedheroes and get extra content for just a buck a month. That's a quarter. That's pretty. Oh, wait. Just, just I couldn't qu- read that. It starts at just a quarter a month. Just a quarter an episode. <laughs> starts at a quarter an episode. I mean, if you go with four Sundays in a month. But yeah, a buck a month, you can start getting extra stuff. It's mostly weekly, not always. It's cheaper than feeding somebody in Africa. It is. Uh, help us pay for our hosting fees, at least. Uh, anyhow, thank you to those who do help us pay our hosting fees and do good, leave good reviews and say hi and all that shit. We appreciate it. Uh, Hintro. What did that say? I don't know. Whatever. You're reading messages from... Go ahead and just give uh, the intro. It's a message okay? from one of our listeners. It is. God, God, you're you're just trying to make this an actual call-in show right now. <laughs> it, was, it was something to the effect of not really understanding what taking a facial would be like. That's our fan base. <laughs> I'm not going to say... Are you sure that wasn't your personal email? <laughs> no, I saw... Good on you, mate. <laughs> so anyway, that intro... Well, now you're giving it away. When I, <laughs> when I was 13... They, they'll get the joke. Uh, when I was 13, I had a voice from God to help me govern myself. It's said by the topic. Uh, Al Sharpton? <laughs> I'm trying to eliminate those that we've done. Here's another one. Uh, Gentle King... Now is executed the will of God. Oh, good. Also Lord. said by the topic. Uh, After a king was inaugurated. Yeah, King Charles. Yes, King Charles. In fact. Okay. Uh, no, the topic is not King Charles. King Charles is the 
king that was being spoken about. Oh. Okay. Charles V.I.I. Yeah. Seven. Yeah, it's like Zeppelin, I- Zeppelin IV. Yeah. Yeah. I was in my 13th year when I heard a voice from God to help me govern my conduct, and the first time I was very much afraid. Well, I don't really understand why the subject isn't King Charles. Because it's not. He'll come up a lot. Well, then... Well, what is the subject? A person, place, or thing? Or, I mean, you it's know. a person. So, this was said by Britt Bishop. Um, I've, I've totally lost the... Certainly, the here. capture of this woman in no way resembles the capture of a king or princes or other persons of high rank. You're so close to the... What, what is like an Anne Boleyn or something? I mean, I don't know. What, okay, oh, one, one oh, last hand here. Me. She was nicknamed the Maid of Nor- Maid of Orleans. I don't know. Joan of Arc. Oh, good lord! <laughs> it's totally King Charles V adjacent, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> you should have seen the other options. That was okay? way harder than it should have been. Well, I was, I was on a hot streak there with the bad haircut and Al Sharpton. You, yeah, and then you got right on to Charles. So, yeah, everybody takes that bad haircut for granted. Y'all had one, though. Born Jean, J-E-A-N-N-E, d'Arc, around 1412, to Jacques, a farmer, and Isabel Romy, uh, who was, uh, as women generally were, they helped around the, the household. Uh, there is some historical controversy about the spellings of everybody's names here, so we're just going to go with the simple modernized ones from here on out. I'm not going to chase... Because look it up on your own. Everybody has 15 versions of their name. Said they may not have even had the last name to Ark until later in their lives. Who knows? Uh, anyway, it should be noted that Joan never used the last name to Ark while she was alive. It came about afterwards. The family lived in Dormany. Or Dor- All right, there's a lot of French. Fuck off about my pronunciation. So if you're pronouncing French, basically it's all phonetic, but ham it up. Okay, so the family lived in Dormany. Doremi. Sure, perfect. Doremi. Doremi. That's Dom, right. Doremi. Yeah, that's right. I did hear it said a couple of times. It did remind me. I just kept going, don't Do say Doremi. Don't say that. Doremi. Yeah, Doremi. Doremi. Uh, it, it's a small village on the border of France and Britain. Some called it the Holy Roman Empire. On the border of France in Britain? Yeah. Well, Britain was... Uh, when it's a while Britain, ago. Britain, uh, when they were still fighting over who... The, the British king was trying to actually rule both thrones. Yeah, we're, we're getting right, right so there. Right, so we're into like Hundred Years' War stuff? Exactly yeah, right. And I'm going to give a really brief synopsis of the Hundred Years' War here in a little bit. Well, that was get, a French word you pronounced, let me, interestingly. Hundred Years' War? Synopsis. So, <laughs> so now, now, this was a tougher place than just being impoverished farmers. The village was mostly populated with people who sided with Charles V.E.E. or Charles VII, the French leader. Much of the surrounding area supported the English side of the fight and fight they did. I mean, there was all kinds of shit around her home. They didn't generally go to Doremi, but we'll get there too. So, quick down and dirty summary of the Hundred Years' War. Because of royalty doing royalty shit, like marrying each other to grow their rule, one dude was supposed to become an heir to either some part of this area, Britain or France, I can't remember which, doesn't matter. Some other dude named his kid heir instead. The folks died, or a bunch of people died. An infant ended up being the heir. And so there was this big, long, brutal, stupid war. It lasted 116 years, not 100 of them. The end, basically. But this is how we get to where we are. So, 
the long long story okay. short, essentially, hundred years war is all about. Let's marry this person off to this person on the warring side to try and solve this, and it didn't take. And she wins. I wonder. Rough, yeah, roughly, yeah. roughly, there was a lot of times it takes. It just didn't, yeah. and that's why we got one hundred and sixteen years. Roughly, there was some other like nepotism shit and people that may not have been technically in line. But I mean, well, and it's dirty, not like yeah. they actually had a whole lot of problem killing their siblings off trying to get thrones. Well, you they know, were fucking them, they were killing them. Like the, the number of times I mm-hmm. write royalty, what the fuck ever in this thing. Yeah, they might as well just call themselves Ptolemies. Yeah, a lot of this is just because royalty yeah. does royalty the, the, shit. This is reminiscent of all of the Ptolemaic bullshit in Egypt. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, god damn it, let's well, just kill it or fuck shit it. Shit like this gave us the samurai too. If I can't fuck it, uh, uh, kill it. If sh- I can't kill it, uh, steal it. So anyway, um, Oh. Joan, although educated in Christendom, never learned to read. Life was farming and keeping a peasant home in a battle-worn area, kind of just keeping the family alive. That's what it was like then. This is not weird or unusual. All of this leaves us a little bit more information on our young, or leaves us with little more information on our younger years. But uh, fuck, I wish I could follow. I can't even read. But. Later, she claimed to start have having having started have she started, started having, having visions. visions. Thank you. <laughs> this is visions so at around age at around age thirteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, these were obvious to her young, pious mind. Communications from God, and often came <laughs> through representation, representations of the existing saints at the time. So, like when they captured her, spoiler, we'll get there. Most of this information is technically documented in shit that still exists. You can still see the actual papers where they wrote down her testimony about this stuff and telling her story about her youth and her Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it got to the point where it was uncannily accurate in some areas. It, well... When we'll get no to the, the, yeah. the testimony. I mean, yeah. it's, they were very well. I won't say that it's accurate, but they were detailed with this mm-hmm. shit, and it was embarrassingly detailed. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> so, beyond instructing her to live a proper life, they also her the visions also started to tell her to get into the ongoing war. The voices often came from the right side of her body, which happened to be if she was standing at home, generally toward the church's side is what it, they frequently say, but you like turn around. It's not on the church's side anymore. I don't know. Anyway, and they were accompanied by a quote, quote, bright light. Often bells would trigger the visions. There are a lot of modern speculators. I wonder if she was having it in the morning and she was like, the, to the east was right. I know. Well, there's a lot of modern speculations. Uh, the one I think that is is most viable is that there's this weird form of epilepsy that they couldn't diagnose then, but it causes, it, it, when combined with an early head trauma or something, it causes this kind of yeah because they never beat their kids. Oh well, yeah, exactly, and, and it's kind of like a stroke where it affects you on one side <laughs> of your body, and in, and it can cause bright light with, or the shining glowing in the eye or whatever it is. So that's that's my thought, but there's. Um, dissociative behavior syndromes. Uh, hallucinogens are really unlikely. It kind of depends on you know where you eating a bunch of bad shit and you got some permanent kind of damage going on. There had been other. There would have been other people around her eating the same thing. Yeah. You know? How many people were crazy back then? Um, 
well, how many people are crazy now? But, but so there's a lot of things that they say that could be either way. She saw them as visions. Mm-hmm. I still think. I, th- I do think that the epilepsy are maybe... Well, enough people jumped on the whole vision bandwagon that it kind of stuck for a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's important to point out that this was not exactly um, obscure thinking at the time. Not at no. all. Yeah. And especially in women. Women were frequently more known to have visions than men. Well, but, like, everything was <coughs> tied in... Like, all thinking was tied in with religion at that time. You have a rose... A rose is red because a rose uh, represents the blood of Christ. The rose has thorns. It pricks you. You have blood. This is the blood of Christ. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and well, somehow this provided some sort of resolution as to why a rose was red and had thorns. You know, And so like every, every aspect of the world that you viewed was viewed in that light in those times. This is not at all like. I think they're a little bit beyond that, but it was still, no. They're really not. They're really not. It's like that was that was like the the thinking. It was, um, you know. Well, the church had permeated everybody's lives to such an extent that it just didn't matter. And there, there were if you you were more inclined to be believed if you had a vision of God telling you something than if you were to analytically sit down and think that, hey, you know what, maybe we should do, maybe God's message is something different. Uh, yeah. If you were the one to say, hey, you know what, I think this is different, you're going to be burned as a heretic off the top, right then and there. Spoiler alert. Um, but if you had a vision where God said, okay, you know what, we need to be more pious and loving and caring... That's going to be a completely different thing. If you look at Martin Luther, he's like, oh, you know, some of this shit just doesn't add up. Let's not, let, let's go ahead and let's talk, right. you and know, about what God really means. Time, there's no way that a peasant family had a scientific text of any kind. It's not like they were handing out Copernicus books. The only person, the, the only people that could city. read were in the church. Yeah, and they often couldn't read and faked it. <laughs> But it's, it's a liturgical way of viewing things, which is a way that humans are, uh, what? Liturgical. Go ahead. <laughs> well, humans have a need to view things in a liturgical manner. And by that, I mean, like, ascribing things that are totally unrelated mm-hmm. to the dogma that you believe as a core central of your persona. So, in other words, um, we have quite a few people uh, trouncing around in the world today who believe that there is absolutely nothing regarding American history that you can't trace back to slavery. And everything has to be viewed in the context of slavery, regardless of how um, incidental it is to that purpose. Um, And so... Yeah, that is a way that humans are drawn to believing things. That that I've got this thing that I'm on about, and so I will reference everything back to that. We we have like you know global warming people, where every aspect of your life has to go back to that. We have ra- racism people; everything has to go back to slavery, aka we, point we, of view bias. You know, yeah, yeah, it's con- a point of view bias, con- confirmation Ooh, bias. Shat in your breakfast cereal, man. You. <laughs> well, you, you don't think that's true? I'm intersectionality. I, I think I think that if you choose to define it by slavery, then you're missing the whole notion. Of, he was using, right. Of, yes. frankly, of frankly, it's colonialism, he, and it doesn't matter what culture the colonialism right, came from. It, it involves taking other people, and it involves genocide, and that's it, just any. Basically, I'm saying you have a precept, and you establish yeah. all your further beliefs.
it's based upon that precept, there's, that's a thing that is very, uh, it has an ineluctable draw to other a lot of people. Other than we're excited, why are we yelling at each other? <laughs> well, because it has that, because the argument is based, isn't based on slavery, it's based on the idea of confirmational bias. Yeah. The, 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 and <laughs> slavery was just... You just an have, example of what confirmation right, bias it's an ex- could be. It's an example. You have this. You have this thing that you're on about, that you're hot about, and you draw everything, no matter how tangentially related, to that thing. Well, but that, you're, you're just angry at one tree in a big giant forest, man. Right. You can't see the big picture, so you have yeah. to, you know, concise everything down to this one thing, and that that was quite prevalent. On, on that, we frequently agree. So, uh, anyhow, the visions told her to take a vow of chastity. Uh, which at 16 years old she said she did. This worked until her father promised her into marriage, but she found a way to hold her ground and got the courts to declare that she would not be forced into this union. So it's the 1400s, <coughs> and she took an arranged marriage to court and got the court to let her out of it. Fucking A. That's badass. I gotta say. At 16 years old, nonetheless. Well, when you. If you can have somebody, well, okay, look, look at it the other way. If she if she found, if she found out about this arranged marriage at thirteen, like, uh, nope, I got visions from God, and I must maintain purity and chastity because God told me so. And she took that to court. Well, the court is mainly going to be made up of who? Uh, the religious elite, exactly. Yeah. And if she's doing this because it's God's will, well, by God, <coughs> you know who's higher up on the food chain than Daddy? God. Big Daddy. <laughs> and if Big Daddy says, you don't get no dick, Big Daddy makes sure you go into, you don't get dick. Essentially, she's not into the arranged marriage, so she's doing everything to sabotage it. Right. Make, but, her, make but, herself unappealing. Like, that was very unusual. Yeah. That shit did not happen very often. I think it's kind of bad. Well, actually, having a woman with any kind of legal right at well, that Well, she's 16. She's yeah. They didn't even really don't call good sixteen-year-olds women. They're girls. They didn't consider her a woman quite yet. She was was right on the bridge. No, I'm pretty sure they did consider her a woman at sixteen back then. You're a woman. Thirteen. Well, they were marrying her off. So I guess they did. Okay. By the way, we're not going to have that talk again. I got a sixteen-year-old French chick. (laughs) As as their visions became more frequent, so did the battles near her home. And in 1428, the village Doremi. Do re mi Dom re mi Dom Dom Like Dom I Dom Perignon I can't stop The good news is she's leaving um, The village was attacked <laughs> Causing her family to flee And return when shit cooled down Because <coughs> that's what happens During those kind of situations The history right here Is a little bit foggy But the way I read it uh, She had decided Just before this attack To go see Robert de Baudricon Ham it up I, I Baudricon Perfect. The guy in charge at Valcouleurs <laughs> and and had been oh, sent home. But, I mean, like, she may have gone then. She may have gone just after the battle. It doesn't matter. The battle happened okay, yeah, about the same to time. contact Robert de Bodicor. Uh, sure. Perfect. Bodicor. Jesus Christ. We Bodicor. all know that pronunciation of English isn't, and that's my All of a sudden, John language. sounds like he's on a hockey team. <laughs> Too many teeth. It may have happened after the attack of the town. Either way, it is said that she made the trip twice to this guy, (coughs) if not maybe even three times, before her plea to join the army was accepted. So basically, she would go and ask to join the army. The only women that were ever around the army or in the army were technically sex workers. 
and she wanted to go be a warrior because God had told her so. Well, what are you oh my godding at me right now for? No. There were camp trollops. I mean, they, they had followers. They would traipse along behind the army. That was the thing. Groupies. Cannon, yeah. cannon women is a word. Yeah, like... Well, it, it started way back in Rome. I yeah. mean, they were doing it back then. Yeah, it was really, really common. Uh, but she didn't want to serve that role. She wanted to take up a damn sword. She well, it's not a bad gig because, you know, if back then, like, the victorious army... I can't uh, imagine it's really wonderful either. Though. The people who fought in the victorious army would get a uh, land title. That was what they got. That You know, so if you hung out with the army and you, like, sucked a lot of cock, like, you'd get... Like, or some, maybe had an illegitimate child. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You'd wind your way into some, you know, which was a little bit better than the guy who was, like, bring out the dead slave holder. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's just, like, it's better than you could do in town. You know. Yeah, you know, working yeah, working but, in the well, scullery and, is still better than working on the street corner. Well, and, yeah. and maybe you're <laughs> maybe you're a widow who lost her child, and society has kicked you all out, and maybe you got a little issue with booze anyhow, and it's kind of a relatively decent. At least, you know, you're not going to run into that many Jack the Rippers in this place. But you know, you probably ran into a lot of Jack the Rippers in the did. army. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Maybe. They didn't have a whole lot of home human rights laws back then. Right. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah, lost the guy in the uniform. They were marrying off 16-year-olds. Clearly not much for human rights. Oh, so, so, anyhow. Please. Come on. We when, were marrying off 12-year-olds in the, you know, 1600s, 1700s, 1800s. The idea that a 16-year-old yeah, back 1900s. in the 1400s was some, like... Um, you hate this topic three beers. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> No, just the idea that a 16-year-old back in the 1400s was, like, manifestly incorrect is ridiculous. It wasn't. <laughs> so, anyhow, she did eventually get into the damn army. Some roving hordes invading your village all the time. Uh, Jesus Christ. Catch it while you can. The story goes that when she got into the army, she cropped her hair and yep. uh, presented herself as a young man, essentially dressing up as a, as a man. Well, yeah, the, the Dauphine sent, sent her out with... Um, uh, a, a small army, basically, you know, a small regiment, whatever, and yeah, armor, and she chopped yet, her yeah. hair off, and yeah. like, oh, here we go. Yeah. And, and I mean, so she set out to make herself look like a young man so that she'd be treated more like a young man and wouldn't end up in that other side that we were just discussing of the whole women in battle thing. Well, the um, advent of Baby Dyke. Well, you know, at this point in time, it's, well, I don't know if it's easier to be a 13-year-old boy or a 13-year-old girl. I don't know. Because both of them are going to get screwed in the long run. I don't know what they called it back then. Now we call it Michigan Women's Fair. So this is, this is, <laughs> we're still when she's wow. talking. Yeah, I'm, I'm abrasive. I'm just moving along. So this is just to get to meet when she finally gets approved into the Army with this bandicoot oh, guy the or whatever the fuck, yeah. Uh, upon doing this, she got by getting it, she got an an escort, basically a team, to go with her to Chignon, uh, where she would meet Charles the Seventh, who is a Facebook hint and Rupert's best and first guest, uh, the French ruler she supported. Uh, she, this was a roughly three hundred meter, four hundred kilometer trip uh, through war torn part of the country, but the group made it in eleven days. Now. Supposedly, on foot or even horseback, it should take you even, like even today, like four hundred kilometers, fifteen to twenty. So you days. got three hundred miles. Yeah. Divided yeah. by eleven. 
equals 27 miles a day. You that's can, a hard day. That's that's on a horse. That's, that's on a horseies. That's that's a, no. That's not easy on a horse. No, on horses it's not easy, but it's mm. doable. It's doable. Yeah, if you're yeah. pushing, if you're pushing, it's it's all like making it eleven days was kind of supernatural. But she wouldn't sleep a lot. Well, it depends if you have hot pockets and cup of noodles on the trip, you know. Well, you know, having the groupies in the back that always helps too. Yeah, yeah, because they were following, you know. Yeah, and so, I mean, like I said, a small team. It was like a couple hundred people. Mm-hmm. That she got at this point in time just for getting into the army. So somehow she finally got there. She met with Charles VII, who was then 20, and she was 17. She got him to give her a squire, a page, and some soldiers to command as her own. When she was questioned before her death about this, she said only that Charles had received a quote-quote sign of some sort. Well, the... Okay, first oh, yeah. she was able. Okay, one of the things one of the things that he did is he disguised himself within the court as mm-hmm. he hid himself, and she was able to pick him out of all of the the courtiers. Yeah, and she started talking to him about some of his religious. Apparently, walked up just directly, not yeah. like second guess or nothing. Just yeah. walked straight up to him. Yeah, he's the only one. Hi, Mister Bellman. Like shit, right? <laughs> you know, and. She was able to tell him about some of his private prayers with with God and the things that he was saying and the things that he was worried about. So to me, this would actually be more along the lines of oh, cold reading, much like John Edwards. Well, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking it could have even been a simple play, like you know, I can tell you about a dream you had. Mm-hmm. Let me. So one time you ended up in in public in. Nothing but your underwear, maybe buck ass naked as a dream. Like you've had this dream. I, I like I can somehow you know. I can sense this in you. Yeah, fuck off. You're, <laughs> you're closeted anyhow. But it's it's that kind of thing where you present something that's relatively common, and it could have been that. Who knows? Well, and you know when everybody's life is revolving around the church and their prayers and things like that, everybody's pretty much having the same thing because that's what they've been. That's what they've been beat through the head to have. Right, because picking up a guy to party is incredibly difficult to do for a young woman. <laughs> she must that's, have had ESP. That's kind of where I was leaning. Yeah, she must have had real ESP there. Is uh, that you know? Maybe, was she still a virgin when she left? <laughs> well, you know, and that's that's the, that's one of the debatable things is that she is credited again. Spoiler alert: as being a virgin mm. uh, up, uh, up until and through her death. But number of girls who this, tell you they're a virgin little, at a party. Yeah, um, this little interaction yep. makes me really wonder. Nope, if you have an ability to reach people, I, I don't think that you're a virgin. It, you know, and she was reportedly not unattractive. Uh, although nobody is really certain what she looks like. Uh, well, all the things we have are represented. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The way that the way that he ended up, spoiler alert, a little bit here, but the way that he shut her down afterwards might say that she might have had a little bit of dirt on him. I, yeah. It just, <laughs> so it's just something to think like, about. Yeah. I just it, it's so there's this is all speculation on my part. Like I didn't even read anybody else saying this. I just read this story. I was like, I don't know. That really seems like you got two horny late teens kids. Yeah, you put a 20-year-old and a 17-year-old in the same room together, and they yeah. say, hey, hey, you want to go bump uglies? Fuck yeah, yeah, Let's honey. do the face. Yeah, let's honey. go do the beast with two I'll backs. I'll give you an army. Let me jizz on your face. Like, whatever. Yeah, that's a facial. 
<laughs> For whomever was asking. <laughs> Damn, brought that around. Good job. So, uh, historian Marina Warner notes that although the group was, quote, quote, under Jones' control, they actually were more likely answered to some count. The squire, probably. Uh, no, there was some count that was in, involved, and I didn't even write his name down. Anyhow, it's interesting because the count reportedly ignored Jones' advice one time and tried to sneak around the opposing troops and got them all stranded. Like, all their wagons and horses and shit were stuck in the mud. And so she finally got the animals out and enough supplies to keep moving. So it's almost like somebody that was raised off in the woods could figure out that, hey, maybe this isn't a good way to go through. Uh-huh. And the dude that's been living in a castle for a whole bunch of freaking years uh-huh. doesn't have a way, doesn't have a really good grasp of, you know, of how an army and certain things need to move throughout different terrains. Yeah, well, you know, if, if you got two people in a room and one of them is a city kid and the other one is a 17-year-old who's been raised on the farm and doesn't even have a high school diploma yet, and one of them needs to butcher a chicken, I'm asking the 17-year-old girl that was raised on a farm doesn't have a diploma yet. But this guy didn't. (laughs) And they eventually got to Orleans to uh, help the effort there. Because, again, the French are trying to take... Spoiler alert. Fuck shit up. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck shit up. So, the way the story is told is that the French forces had amassed a larger army than the British, but because she was picking up troops as they went through, because people were kind of tired of this British shit anyhow, uh, and and they were kind of happy that God was telling her to lead the thing, so that they're on board, just any oh, Catholic yeah. is signing in. Uh, when they did, there was a morale boost, and the French took the day, like literally in a day, apparently they took the fucking place. Well, pretty much anything that she started touching, uh, victory was yeah. just pretty much guaranteed. Um, no. They were fighting so hard for so long that anything that, any rally point that they could have was it. And she was just a perfect rally point. It's like, okay, yeah. well, and you establish a couple of good victories. They're like, okay, well, then we've got a good commander, we've got good shit, we've got good, you know, we've got good intel, we've got good everything. We trust our commanders, even though they right. shouldn't be trusted. We trust our leaders, even though they shouldn't be leading us. Let's just go fuck some shit up. And they do. Yeah. They do, totally. And and it was because, like, look, this this unexpected person is... <laughs> Shut up. This unexpected person is getting supported by this person that we want to be king. All the way up. There you go. And thank you. And and of course we're going to support him, support her, especially because it's a young lady in charge of an army, led by she's led by God. They're fucking in, or the ones that are more practical. Hey, you know what? She's winning. Let's yeah. go ahead and follow the winning one. That's pretty much it. There is <laughs> a there is a joint on the winning side thing too. <laughs> you always want to be picked to the better team in gym class. Yeah, just you know, dodgeball. You're like, okay, do I want? The guy that's walking around on uh, on crutches to be my leader, or do I want the you know the fucking big ass jock? Yeah, well, do I want the six foot Adonis? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
why my kid always got picked first. Anyway, um, so part of the story that her visions had told her was that she was supposed to be part of bringing France's king, Charles VII, back to power, and hence save the French way of life. She was well on her way at this point in time uh, with this with this recent win, and it quickly escalated the young woman to a place of almost being a religious imperative. So, kind of what we were just saying is that you had to follow her. When you can incorporate religion and victory, you get both sides of the coin and people will just follow you. Yeah, especially when you've been beaten on by a warring nation for... Well, th- this is what, 116 years. This is why a lot of... 150. You had god kings. You had things like that. It's like, uh, mm. because you can incite the moral, uh, religious outlook on one half your population, <laughs> and then you can incite the other, you know, more practical aspect of the other population. And everybody just unites behind you, and you just get to do what you want to do. And yeah. you'll get them both to support you, and when they support you wholeheartedly, guess what? You're going to continue to win. What you got there, Lady Macbeth? Well, I think that um, <laughs> I, th- I think that it's very difficult for us to understand this, like maintenance of the French way of life, you know, in the face of English opposition. And um, the thing that's difficult for us to understand is, for whatever reasons, and I don't want to get into that, but like for whatever reasons. Great Britain, and by that I mean Great Britain, uh, all of Britain, um, was to a large extent a much less civilized society than France was. And at this point in time, at this point in time, very much so. Arguably, you're correct. Yeah, yeah. Very much so, so. so again, so I agree with not getting into the reason. France is viewing itself um, in the Dark Ages as the helm of civilized behavior within Europe mm-hmm. whereas uh, Britain is not and so to us uh, you know uh, um, the uh, the Great Britain people the, the great the people of Great Britain view Vikings as the savage mm-hmm. invading them and so Vikings to Great Britain are something like uh, Great Britain France yes uh-huh. You know, in other words, we're we're marauding hordes. Yeah, when the blue eyes come sailing well, out the north, you better nail everything yeah, down, motherfucker. Yeah. And, and they're we're, not too you know. far removed from from the Turks and those kind of things that were also just very very hard to understand because well, I mean that was like traveling that amount of land. Well, that that's what defines that. That is actually really the, it's, it's a little bit of the definition of. Um, the Dark Ages is the Dark Ages are a bunch of people that, I mean, the Dark Ages as confined to Europe, specifically France and, and the UK, um, are defined as a, as a people looking backwards. Mm-hmm. Like, in other words, um, we had societal upsweep with the Roman invasions um, that these people were clearly superior and uh, all this kind of thing. And then we had stagnation, where we turned back into warring tribes and this kind of thing, without civilization. And, you know, you can argue however much you want, but, like, the the French, to to a very large degree, had a less tribal, more functioning civilization 
uh, at the advent of the Dark Ages than the British did. The British were like totally like they were still extremely feudal and and well, it's so, so I anyhow I'm, I mean well, well, it, well it's beautiful yeah I mean it's it's a beautiful description because England after they lost uh, th- there was no room for growth anymore it was room for expansion it was I want to grab every it was land grab. You had Germ- basically you had um, England coming from one direction. You had the Germanic <laughs> tribes coming from another, and France right. was a bastille of art. Well, they mm. were they were trying to saw uh, what you did there. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> it, it was yeah. Uh, Fra- France France viewed themselves as we are the outpost mm-hmm. carrying forward civilization. Yeah. We are we're, we're the only ones looking for progress. We're right. the only ones looking for the towards the future, not just to sustain what we have in the present. Right. You know? and, and 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 you can see it a little bit um you, you really get a sense of this in in the in the movie Braveheart. Where um, you know the king is, is sitting there, Edward Longshanks is sitting there in London, and he says, "If they can take York, they can take London." And they've taken York, and York is a place that looks like F Troop. It's <laughs> it, it's a city with a bunch of sticks driven into the ground mm-hmm. that are symbolic. You know, and that's the best that the British could do at this point was yeah. like a, a big city was a place that it could afford a stick wall. Yeah. A pointy stick wall surrounding maybe five acres at best, whereas the French are sitting there like, "Look, we've got the. We're the ones who are carrying this forward mm-hmm. after this uh, rescission into you know really not much better than where we were. We were in year, I don't know, eleven hundred. Yeah, yeah. And the, the French are we're like we're the ones to carry this forward, and the British are like seen as barbaric invaders really not a lot di- different than like you know the hun or the moors or the you know whatever or the the genghis Khanases is uh, uh whatever you know didn't we no, we did we didn't Gingis. but 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 basically the british are just another invading horde yeah you know there you know where whereas the british you know from the u.s perspective from the U.S. perspective, it is very difficult to not see the British as being civilizational, whereas they really weren't. They At really this weren't. Time they weren't. No. no. God, they were. It was. A, they, they were. They were pulling a land grab through royalty. Yeah. I should have taken a bathroom. We can so, do that now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I plan it all out. Don't worry. I. <laughs> <laughs> So now that we're back from break, uh, Joan is still in Orleans. And with Orleans reclaimed, they stood good ground on the Clear River borders uh, and and just started, like, taking all the areas there, which is really kind of a good move. When you take us out of a river, you're doing a good job. And everyone started to listen to this pubescent, or this, yeah, basically pubescent lady. This hot chick. But but shit their king did, and he was only 20, uh, whatever monarchy, like... The king did some stuff that caused some other doubt already. Either way, just oh, you mean shit. an English king? No, this is the no. French. This is Charles. Oh, yeah. the seventh. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mean a king did something really fucking shady? Yeah, that's a shocker. I know. Like, like I said, the number of times I say whatever royalty. So, uh, 
Charles Caligula. Let's just call it the same. Well, I don't know. He wasn't quite Caligula. There was no fucking horses. Anyhow. Uh, Are you sure? No. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, Charles VII was set to maybe get the crown through royal shit he deserves, in quotes. Uh, this, according to the way that shit was done, needed to happen in this town called Reims. R-E-I-M-S. Fuck it, Reims. I don't know. Well, that's a fun town. Yeah, well, this was still held by the Britons, so it was not fun at all. Along the way, they, Joan and her crew, which had amassed, like, I think there are 20,000 people now with her. Oh, yeah. It, no, like, she, she had a full army. It was m- crazy. It was more At than one a, point in time, she apparently took up to 50,000 people into battle with her. Yeah, it, it, the, this is no longer a a platoon, a raiding party, um, a skirmish effect. No, this is... This is this is Hessians coming at you. It's fucking terrifying. And and all those like depictions of her holding up the banner while she's riding on the horse, riding in the front. She those did. are apparently she, yeah, she left historically the front. accurate. Um, there there are two types of generals throughout history: the ones that lead from the rear, the ones that lead from the front. The ones that lead from the front <laughs> are you, generally <laughs> they're generally more respected, but they're more short lived. <laughs> the ones from the back are. Be afraid of those that lead from the front. More successful in the long run. <laughs> However, not nearly as revered. The ones that lead from the front want to kill you. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, all that shit is true. So there's a fucking They're fanatical. Of, yeah. Like there's, her. There's a grip of people that have started following along behind her. Upon arriving in Reims, she, uh, they had little fight to deal with. <laughs> Clearly. Like, that many people settle on your city, you go, okay. Well, and we were talking about just the way that people would follow her, yeah. but by the same token, on the on the flip side of that coin is the when somebody was were about to be besieged by her, that fear factor kicks in too. Mm-hmm. She's never lost, and now she's bringing this many against us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's working with you know the divine will of God and all of this, that, and the other things. Yeah, yep. pe- you know it breaks morale, and morale is the biggest thing. In any war situation. Yeah. So, I actually did write down, it was much like being on a quote-unquote mission from God. Yeah. They just kind of drove through the mall and got there and took over. Uh, So, upon arriving at Reims, they had little fight to deal with, and they set upon this silly process of making the 20-year-old Charles VII king. First he was knighted, then he was anointed, then he was finally crowned. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, um, this was all done with typical ca- uh, Catholic haste, mm-hmm. so it probably took seventy-two hours or something like mm-hmm. this. And then you got to be that person for a day, and then we could do this, and then you got to be that person for a day, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And all had to happen at this one particular fucking city because, again, I'll say fucking whatever royalty. Uh, so Charles the Seventh was f- finally crowned King of France on July seventeenth, fourteen twenty-nine. He was then encouraged by Joan and many other prominent military leaders to head for Paris, which is a Facebook hint. There's just a fucking picture of Paris. <laughs> so Charles VII was not really into the idea. He was pretty happy with the fact that he just, you know, gotten what he'd gotten. That was groovy. He was, he was cool with that. But uh, he did agree... I'm doing stuff for this podcast. ...to a short truce... So the Brits, um, or with the Brits, who were occupying Paris, 
and and could fortify so they could like fortify the city, which mm-hmm. is a weird truce. Like I'll hold off so you can build up your defense is a weird truce. Well, it it, it held all the way up through like our own civil war. It, it's we want to enter into honorable combat with you. Yeah. You know, it's it's, so it, it's, it, it's like lighting up and fighting. You know, just you know, hitting people with barrages of lined fire from muskets, that kind of thing, all the way back. It's Well, do, do, I don't think they had muskets back then. Well, that's what that's I'm talking about had. now with the Civil War, but it's held up until then. Where are the early 1400s? It they held very simple firearms Honorable, best, honorable warfare held up until this aspect of it. Um, back then it was like, okay, get your women and children out. Um... You know, if you need a couple of days to think about what you're going to do, go ahead. Sandbag the town. Yeah, I mean, well, no, we'll give you 48 hours to consider your options, is the nice way to put it. Which means, get your women and children out, go ahead and put up your fortifications, because we're not going to be gentle. Or hand over your shit. This is anal with no loop, okay? (laughs) That's what this is. Coming in hot. Yeah, you're not, there's no split. The, I'm going to split you open. Um, the only lube is blood. Well, I, th- I, I think that this um, perception of what is essentially siege warfare is kind of wildly different than what like really happens. Is uh, the people in this time would have been well acquainted with what what warfare was. In general, um, and siege warfare in in particular, they they would have known what it was, what siege warfare meant, and you know because you had the siege of Jerusalem in seventy A.D., uh, everybody knew about what siege warfare meant, and what that meant was encircling the town and laying upon them incredibly horrendous conditions. Yeah, because yeah. you just sit and wait and nothing can get in. You well, you can't get supply food, lines, you can't get anything. And it's in. constant barrage, constant... Uh, it's horrifying. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a combination of that combined with the fact that um, you know that the people waiting outside your town are not... They, they, they're not really motivated so much by... Um, we want to conquer this territory for our country as they are uh, these guys outside our town are starving just as much as we yeah. are and they're going to come hungry. in they're hungry. and uh, take that's, everything that's arguable because when you're stopping the shipments coming in you can harvest those resources so the uh, army's waiting outside do no, have access no. to resources Actually, the people waiting inside no 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 no, 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 because, no because you are maintaining a force of people outside your town and you're maintaining them in a ready state mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know we have this concept now um, where you're sitting in the Persian Gulf on in an aircraft carrier and you can only maintain battle stations for so long mm-hmm. uh, people get very cranky if you maintain them for too long it's and, way too much emotion right 
Right. It's way too much testosterone being driven into what's going right. on. So, so we're going to attack. We're going to attack. Boom, so boom, 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 boom. The, the siege is is perceived as this long protracted thing that like everybody's just waiting each everybody out, Lottie Dog going about our day. But it's really not that. It's really um, this horrifying thing where the people within the town have like this hideous existence imposed upon them. Boom. Right now. And they're living in this hideous existence with the close quarters that a town uh, had then. Especially then, yeah. Pestilence and disease visited upon them because of close quarters. They can't get rid of their sewage. They can't do anything. Um, And uh, we've got these people that are only getting more hyped up as they wait outside. Yeah. They're, They're angry. They're frustrated. They're mean. And the people that are actually taking care of the supply lines those are the raiding parties that are probably three or four miles five miles back from that main attack force those are just raiding parties taking those things out and playing you know marry marry fuck fuck you and die kind right of things. And, and, and when they you- just go in and they set fire to like but when you think about what <laughs> what the people <laughs> what the people within the town are perceiving from the sieging party, it's very horrifying. Yeah. Like in other words, the sieging party does not show up with a ready-made catapult. They hear they people build it on site. They yeah. hear people sawing down trees. <laughs> yeah. They see the trees coming yeah. down, and it's like they're building catapults yeah. to the, rain down fire upon us and just just burn. And, and, and they build trebuchets, rams, right? You can hear the pounding of blacksmiths outside your city walls. Exactly, horrifying, yeah. Ex- horrifying. And like, <laughs> so to bring it into a more modern perspective, the Nazi buzz bombing of London. Um, was a similar thing well, where Britain at least <laughs> where the Nazis would announce on radio we're sending off these rockets and mm-hmm. we don't know where they're going to land yeah and that was horrifying to the people mm-hmm. of London yeah. this is that times ten well even even more modern and even more to express the way that people can get terrified things by things War of the Worlds that was fake. Yeah, where you don't know that was yeah. fake. You don't. You don't know mm-hmm. what they're. What that was written fiction that you could have read before that time that it was broadcast. And I, I can guarantee and, you that more and, people found religion in those two days oh, of the, siege. The suicide rate. Went they crazy. went. Yeah. They went and they found whatever chapel they could within well, that. The, well, we already discussed all they had was religion. And at that point well, time, but, but you know, those who weren't religious, they found it. And they found it real quick and said, oh, God, let me get through this. Okay. So or let me get my wife and kid away from this before the rapists and everybody else that's coming in to loot. So back to the topic. Uh, that truth. Well, this is part of the topic. It is. It I, is. Well, you're being very dismissive. Well, I'm, I'm moving along. And it was. Oh, so maybe that's a better way to put but it. But sometimes a oh. fucking. So we should say move along. Sometimes a segue just needs to be. Let's stop talking about this and move along. God, you're, horrible segue. So let's stop talking about that and move along. You're That's back. a horrible segue. <coughs> you're that guy at the pool party. That's why we're here on Sundays, because we weren't partying It's okay. Hail Satan. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's said you know, he's this... He's a hater. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna need a place to hang out. Yeah. It's said that this, quote, quote, truce 
may have been done as a military ruse. Like, oh, we'll let you put your fortify your city and shit. Uh, but others argue that he may have been serious and then later convinced by the more aggressive supporters like Joan. But on September 8th, which was not the time allotment he had given them, 1429, the French army attacks Paris and loses. Mm-hmm. First loss for Joan. The loss hurt Joan's image as a leader slash planner slash messenger. Uh, it also hurt her spirituality as the attack happened on the celebrated day of the Virgin Mary. I'm not Catholic. There's some, just probably a bunch of them, but this is one of the Virgin Mary days. And and she was like, it didn't really want to attack on that day, but that's when things happened, and everybody scorned her for being, you know, the messenger of God and attacking on the day of Virgin Mary, etc., etc. So winter started setting in, and Charles VII started working a more diplomatic route and called a truce to last until Christmas at least. The long-standing influence of Joan's tactics had started to fall from his graces. Like, her desire to just keep battling and battling and battling, he's like, it's wintertime, it's Christmas, like, good luck. break. Good luck with that. Yeah. Good luck with that is right. Uh, So at this time, the visions had changed gears. They were telling her of her inevitable capture by the Brits, but she was relying on years of earlier messages telling her to keep trying to preserve France and their way of life. Although no longer sanctioned by Charles VII, she kept rushing to the aid of nearby towns that were under attack. So anytime the Brits would come to the, a town, any nearby small town, she and her now dwindling army would run and try and support them. What do you... Mm, go ahead. Protection okay. racket. Yeah, kind of. Uh, Could have been. She eventually ran to the aid of Compiègne. Compiègne. Okay, that's the spring of 1430, right? Yes, May of ni- or 1430. Yes. Compiègne. Compiègne. Perfect. Which is now known as Champagne. As long as I don't have to say it, we're good. Where do you think you get champagne from? The refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My guess is that this is what has turned into Champagne. The region of Champagne. Uh, Champagne. That's a reasonable guess. Bunch of guys outside of town looking for something to do. Let's get them drunk. And they're fighting the Burgundians, right? Uh, the Burgundians. The Burgundians have been involved in a lot of this all the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're from the group of the people from Burgundy, which was part of Britain. Burgundians. Like I just left all that shit out because I didn't need to explain. Like, remember how much I shortened the Hundred Years' War? Yeah, that's kind of a downside to this. Uh, I don't think it's a downside for the listener. Anyway, uh, wildly, <laughs> wildly optimistic there. She and her band of, at this point, about a few hundred, maybe a thousand at best, started attacking the British forces in a very guerrilla kind of way. But it was not kind of, not working. Like they were, they were starting to do the attack from the woods thing, which was. Not sanctioned warfare, I guess, is the way I could say it. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't polite warfare. Yeah. By stretch of the imagination, because... But, you know, I mean, look at what um, Leonidas did when he went in with, you know, his 300. You know, his his private guard. But that was... Leonidas, I thought it was, it was cool. Anyway, go ahead. King Leonidas... <laughs> 
I got this pain in my lower back. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know. It's just killing me. Are you are you are you dying? Dying just a little bit inside? I have since the advent of this podcast. <laughs> the advent of this podcast. Okay. Yes. Well, this, so this you've is... been hurting like this for this many years? Maybe we should actually talk about how much you're hurting. Little did you know, in an extra pot, you know, what are the extra know that a number of people are concerned about you. Got a hold of John and I, and said, "Could you guys find a way to break his ego down a little bit?" And that's what this whole thing is about. Oh shit! I just gave out the secret. Wait, so you're saying I'm Joan of Arc? I've got a shitty haircut. <laughs> <laughs> And, and you like all you have to you do like is grow it hours. out. All you have to do is grow it out. Put a ball on your head and just cut right there. Now, if I grow it out, if I do that, I become Mister Natural. No, he becomes one of the Three Stooges. Uh, so anyway, all right, go ahead. Come on, let's wrap this up. Oh, we're yeah, we're getting real close. On May twenty third, most of her troops were running for their lives. She was captured, as were a number of her cohorts, by the Duke of Luxembourg. Again, whatever the fuck royalty. Uh, he was paid a grip of dough to turn her over. There, it was it was ten thousand francs. Uh, no, it was measured in livres or something. But there's almost I couldn't. I tried a bunch of different ways, just because I wanted to do your job, and and make it. But in today's money, yeah, and I just there was no way because well, it was a short-lived currency in mm-hmm. a part of the planet that was not very well documented. Uh, is the is the equivalent to ten thousand francs? Perfect. I'm gonna give it to you. Thank you for being my. Accountant. I don't know how to track that from fourteen thirty, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back then you kept a prisoner like this uh, in in a tower. I mean, because it was a basement or a tower. Those are the ways you kept people. Mm-hmm. This is the hardest way to get out, right? So, well, when Joan learned that she was going to be turned over to the Brits. For her war crimes, she leapt from the window of her Rapunzel-like tower, and some people think it was an escape attempt. Some people think death was the motive. Either way, fuck it, I'm out, is kind of what I saw her saying. Uh, But I will also note that during the earlier battles, she had taken an arrow to the shoulder that went all the way through, so they had to pull it back out the other side, which is what they do, right? And she'd taken one, I think it was to the hip or the leg. So she'd taken two arrows in battle at this point in time. And then with two arrow wounds in that era, because medicine was really great. Like, here's some here's some booze. Uh, then she leapt out of a fucking, again. I'll say kind of a badass move. She was also thrown from a horse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you've been thrown from a horse... It you remember sucks. it quite well. I dated a lady whose if, skull was fractured in multiple pieces. And if you're in, yeah, like armor. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That might be better, better, better or worse. worse. <laughs> Depending, yeah. like way. I mean, the out. scales are like looking like God. Would this suck? I mean, what kind? Of I would rather would be thrown be? from a horse in armor with nobody, with no enemy surrounding me. Right. But with enemies surrounding me, I'm not sure I'd like the armor. Yeah. 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 Cause so it depends on the circumstances. Well, yeah. I mean, example that time. Well, let's go just after I got my 
that time, just after I got my chain mail, we were all hanging out in the backyard, and everybody put it on. My kid, who was young and smaller then, put it on, and then fell backwards in the chair. And we just stood there and laughed at him for like ten minutes because he couldn't move. <laughs> like the armor might be a hindrance if you fall off the horse while you're in battle. In battle, could be not great. In battle, it just well, depends. Well, it's kind of a hindrance if you do it not in battle because your friends are going to stand there laughing uh, for ten you'd, minutes. You'd, in you'd the be backyard. amazed. You'd be amazed at the amount of mobility that people had in. Full plate mail. Yeah, I've I've worn full plate. Yeah, it's amazing. There's actually photographic proof. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't want to see that. Okay. Next. Uh. So anyway, put the beer down. Come on. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Having survived, the, having survived the fall, she was taken. All of a sudden, to, it's a Chinese kitchen. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Top chop. <laughs> having survived the fall, she was taken to Ro- Rowen for her trial. The verdict was pretty set, so this was more humiliation through tests of her virginity, tormenting by the guards, and endless questioning. Now, this is some of the stuff that John and I were talking about at the head of the show. Um, These interrogations are where most of her history comes from, and most of the documents, as I said earlier, are still intact. She was considered a heretic and got no help from Charles. Well, might have had some dirt on her. She, it started out very public, and then it went very private, all of a sudden. And all of that private stuff was when Charles said, uh, no, we don't need a chat anymore. Um, let's just go ahead and let's take this to a private tribunal and decide what happens after that. Well, and they've got her locked away, and there's guards, like because her virginity is in question, the guards God. are... Fucking with her hard. Well, they threaten like, rape. Yeah, like, and and if you're, I mean, noting that virtue is that threatened, the namestay of your like power. I say, or your dementia, allegedly threatened. Probably did. I can tell you. You know, it doesn't matter. Anybody threatens to rape you, you're not going to be in a good mood. It, it kind of doesn't matter either. You're end. not going to take it well. We're going to threaten gang rape, or we're going to perform gang rape. Nine out of either people appreciate it. Fucking you the up. The other one, however, wants to stay the hell away. Yeah. So it's like prison today. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Nine out of ten people appreciate gang rape. One person, however, will do everything they can to stay the hell away from it. Yeah, so when she's not dealing with that and trying to sleep, she's being interrogated mm-hmm. and investigated in their really highly trained medical ways that they had back in the 1400s. And, and I mean, like, for All right, four... So they, it's like Guantanamo Bay, her. Four months. I think they probably could have learned a thing or two from these fuckers. Yeah, actually... <laughs> Guantanamo Bay could have learned a few things. Waterboarding yeah. was the least of the shit that they did. Yeah, well, back then, like, waterboarding would have been like, oh, okay, cool. Like, yeah. Do I get cookies afterwards? Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, yes, like, yeah, so me. for four months this went on. Yeah. And this this lady who's now this now 17, 18 years old-ish. Yeah, I'm going to submerge you underwater. If you drown, you're not a witch. <laughs> I mean, come on. Fuck. So. Fuck off. Uh, she was eventually, after the four months, taken to the stake to be burned. May 30th, 1431, she was burned at the stake. There was supposedly a tradition wherein the victim would be strangled out before actually catching fire. That well, was, that would be nice. That was, yeah, it was, it was considered humane, if you will. That's a good, thing. Oh, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
And 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 that was like the henchmen would walk up and do it, and and that was part of the deal frequently in a lot of the burnings. So it didn't always happen. Uh, in this case, it did not happen. Uh, the way I wrote it is, she was given no such courtesy, and spoke the name of her god until she burned to death. So it was said that until she could speak no longer, she kept repeating the name Jesus, 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 Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1920, she was named a Catholic saint. Yeah, it took 500 years. I'm not certain it's deserved of sainthood, but... Uh, she seems kind of like a little bit jerky. You know? She has some fucking superpowers, though, man. Like, uh, I'll start with the con- getting the court to, to say no to your arranged marriage in, in the 1400s. That's fucking awesome. I I don't know. I I learned a little bit more about her than I knew by doing this. Uh, it, I've been pushing this one for a little while. Thanks, John, for finally doing it. I, I she is kind of heroic in a way, but possibly because of things that were impreventable. You know, be it the the um, epilepsy or be it a dissociative behavior situation or whatever it was there was clearly something that caused her to have all of that but following that drive and achieving that much in that way uh, is kind of admirable um, yeah. and and you know stick it to the man I kind of cheer for that too so I guess not all bad not all good okay well for quite a while yes you have been throwing this one at me and this one just happened to be the best of the worst options this time. <laughs> Jesus, backhanded right there. So, uh, so the way that I look at it, though, is kind of the way to look at what happened throughout that period of time. And it, it was a very, very major growth period, you know, or just... A destructive period. It, growth and destruction is kind of what happens within that. Um, Joan was looked at as a symbol. And whether it was epilepsy or she ate some really bad fucking mushrooms when she was a kid, it doesn't matter. Somebody bought into all of it. And she was able to do great things in that time. And that to me kind of seems like the kind of thing that anybody could do. All you have to do is look at the situation you're in and maybe you can make just a little bit of an impact somewhere along the line and that will carry through. So to me, like, you know, Joan of Arc is like one of those people who um, used her voice to the best ability. She was able to rally the troops and, like, that's really great and... Without her, um, I don't know what would have happened absent Joan of Arc. I think we possibly would have had the the Dark Ages going on longer. Maybe, maybe I'm not really sure about that. Um, but essentially, Joan of Arc, Joan of Arc, 
describes some transition period from, you know, in terms of art and, arts and culture, from the the dark ages where everybody is reduced to this tribalist existence, certainly manifested within the, you know, United Kingdom area, um, towards getting back to civilization, and then, like, I don't know, 300, later, 300 years later, we have uh, the Baroque um, influence where Germany becomes ascendant. And, you know, I don't know. So we have this triumvirate of, like, you know, British society, then French society trying to maintain things and just get over this dark period, and then German society uh, in terms of arts and culture leading us out of it, you know, and it's a bridge. You know, I don't regard it as French society being superior. Uh, definitely in that time, I regard English society as being somewhat inferior. Okay, so I forgot to throw in the sources, so I'm going to do it right now. Oh, My God. main source was LiveScience.com. I also used Notable Biographies, Biography.com, and a couple other things, but I didn't write any of them. Oh, History.com I did write down. National so Geographic. I did not use National Geographic. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. It sounds like something that friends do. Well, I thought we were friends. I'm extremely uncomfortable with that. I know. Do you know? 